नमस्ते एवरीवन वेलकम टू द चारवक पॉडकास्ट दिस इज योर होस्ट कुशल मेहरा ऑल राइट माय पॉडकास्ट टुडे इज गोइंग टू बी कॉल्ड जेल फॉर डूइंग बिजनेस नाउ यू गाइस मस्ट बी वंडरिंग व्हाई हैज ही यूज्ड सच अ वियर्ड नेम वेल लेट मी गिव यू अ ब्रीफ बैकग्राउंड अ फ्यू डेज अगो आई डोंट रिमेंबर द एग्जैक्ट डेट आई केम अक्रॉस दिस शॉर्ट एसे ऑन ORF the Observer Research Foundation which was titled Jail for Doing Business I usually tend to read ORF regularly and then obviously there was a link to a beautiful monograph or if you guys want to call it a report and I clicked it and I read it and uh, it scared the hell out of me <laughs> and uh, uh, while I was getting scared I was also able to relate to it absolutely perfectly is because uh, as a entrepreneur uh, for 20 years i could relate to every word that was written and then uh, obviously i read the name of the authors and i know gautam from before and i reached out to gautam and i was like bhai abhi uh, aap log ko to aana padega baat karne ko and you know gautam then introduced me to rishi too and uh, here they are so gautam rishi welcome thank you thanks kushal lovely to be here again okay gautam then let's start with this chalo pehle we'll we'll start from the basic premise itself that how did you guys actually think of writing such a detailed report okay so uh, for that it was a conversation like the one we are having right now at my place and uh, rishi had done a report on how difficult it is to set up hospitals in india because of the regulatory cholesterol i read that report it really scared the hell out of me but then as we began to con- converse even because healthcare is we, we need hospitals we need healthcare we need doctors nurses we need this infrastructure it's critical infrastructure for a country our size uh, but it is so difficult to set it up so as we were discussing further i began to get into it and realize that hospital is just not even the tip of the iceberg the entire business community anybody who is trying to do business faces Uh, about 1500 laws 69233 uh, compliances more than 4500 filings a year now this is not for one business at an aggregate why are there so many laws now this this sort of, uh, this data or this information for the first time i was which i saw for the first time was feeding into another conversation in my mind which i have been writing for a long time which is corruption and then when i analyzed all these clauses the laws i saw the humongous nature of uh, i mean as you must have read the new, uh, read our monograph and the, the effort is huge and we have gone through it with a fine tooth comb i realized that what we are actually blaming corruption government servants are corrupt and the political system is corrupt etc etc has its roots in these compliances <clears throat> i used to joke earlier before i read before i met rishi before i read this report before i engaged with this data that three friends sitting in a room talking harmless stuff about their school or college is i'm sure we are doing something wrong that can get us into jail we used to joke i used to joke about it okay and <laughs> i saw this i saw this is the reality this what we have now put out Uh, which rishi has collated that's his business so which he has collated which we have now analyzed comp- and given perspective to is the edifice of what economists call rent seeking 
this these compliances have been made in a manner that at some level they are so ridiculous and we'll talk about this as we go enter this report in greater detail they are so ridiculous that they can't be true but they are if they are so, written out, in, out out there and i feel what uh, as we began to analyze this is the rent seeking infrastructure upon which people like us talk about corruption and political and inspector raj and uh, all sorts of bureaucracy and so on uh, now are all these compliances bad no and we will get to this further but this is how the journey started as we started talking to each other initially uh, by shock uh, but later on through cold analysis uh, it took us by the way more than a year to bring out this monogram all right so rishi now i want to come to you maybe uh, and also rishi as this is your first time on the podcast so i'll request you to you know tell the viewers a little bit about yourself also but just you know one thing in the introduction rishi you guys have written this planned rationalization is a crucial policy correction and this is like a current thing that you guys have mentioned in the report in the page number 8 of the pdf document you guys have said Seven months earlier, in July two thousand nineteen, the government had tabled and Parliament had enacted the Companies Amendment Act two thousand thirteen, in which it had amended Section one thirty five of the law and criminalized violations on corporate social responsibility with imprisonment. Now, what you guys state after that? If I sit and study, then maybe people will get depressed. But I still want you to talk about it, Rishi. Can you give us some micro examples before we get into the larger picture again? So, can you share a little bit of that too? Sure. Well, uh, Kushal, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, really appreciate that. Um, the business of compliance is very close to my heart. Uh, that's what wins bread in the family. I run a company called uh, Team Lease Reg Tech. Uh, co-founded a company called Aventus Rectech, which was rechristened as Team Lease Rectech earlier, um, uh, last part of uh, 2021. Uh, we actually help uh, organizations automate, digitize, simplify their compliance management. So we've been doing this for a long time, about seven, eight years now. Um, and during this course of uh, last few years, worked with over 1,500 enterprises across 45 different industries. helping them understand law of the land and comply with that land so uh, that's the that's a job that i do and uh, as a part of that uh, have had a birds eye view and ants eye view and uh, you know a camel's eye view of this problem now the second part of the question um, you know the micro details right i think gautam mentioned a couple of data points i'll build on that uh, just as a reminder indian entrepreneurs Deal with a regulatory ecosystem with 1,536 acts and rules, 69,233 compliances, and 6,618 filings across union, states, and non-union territories. That's the ecosystem that Indian entrepreneurs operate in. Not all of these are applicable to any one enterprise, but a small MSME, which is employing say 100. 150 employees does between 5 and 10 crores in revenue operates in a single state with a single factory today deals with anywhere between 500 to 1000 compliances in a given year depending on which sector they operate in if they are in pharmaceuticals chances are they are closer to 1000 if they are 
uh, automobiles, they are probably closer to 500. But one enterprise deals with so many of these compliances. They are across seven broad categories, labor being the largest, contributes 30% in terms of acts, 47% in terms of compliances, and a whopping 68% in terms of criminality. One of the largest where you'll find a labor register has 10 different formats under five different acts. When I talk about a register, there are wage registers, leave and attendance registers, muster rolls, you know, temperature registers, humidity registers, lime wash registers, and so on and so forth. They have duplications in their forms and formats. And we'll talk about more micro level data as we go along. But the, the compliance, 30% are labor. Then there is finance and taxation, direct tax, indirect tax, customs, FEMA, advanced tax, income tax, GST, customs, and many others. Then environment, health, and safety. If you're a manufacturer, consent <coughs> to establish, consent to operate, solid waste management, all of these rules become applicable. Then secretarial, because most likely you are a private limited company, and there would be a whole bunch of Ministry of Corporate Affairs, CB, NSC, BSC, depending on whether you're private limited or listed. In this case, MSME being a private limited, there will be a whole bunch of regulations there. And then equipment-based, hoists, lifts, fire extinguishers, weights and measures, and so on and so forth. This is the complexity of compliance in the country. We'll talk more as we get into the details, but that's a macro picture in terms of data. All right. I want to, you know, people must have received the shock of their life thinking that this lime wash register kya hota hai. So, uh, yeah, lime wash register, hota hai, mere dosto. I'm just sharing a screen for the benefit of our viewers. So, my dear friends, this is what a lime wash register is. Believe me, I did not know about this until I started my business myself. So, as you guys can see, <laughs> this, this godforsaken register format, you know, has kab aapne lime wash kiya, kaise aapne lime wash kiya, kahan se aapne lime wash kiya. And now people must be wondering, ye kyo aaya, right? You know, that's a natural question. How the hell did the government think of this? If you're a kid in 2022, like a 19-year-old, 20-year-old, 25-year-old, you must be wondering, ki, how the hell did this come? So let me take you guys into a little journey. So in the early days, you know, cholera was really rampant in those days when the British India. So the British came up with this wonderful act. Like lime wash register has to be there. At least I know it from the Bombay Municipal Corporation Act. I can't tell the, the, the macro perspective pan India. That is Rishi's department. But I can tell you the story of Bombay. Now we are in 2022. Cholera is no longer a problem. But BMC says lime wash register to banana badega bhai. Nahi banaoge to kaise chalega. So now with that wonderful story, I come to you Gautam again. Because now I want to talk about something that you know, I want to share my experience as a businessman with you too. So I ran a textile fabric manufacturing unit for so many years, right? So just got them, hear me out here. So ESIC, hota hai, PF, hota hai, uh, fir uske baad, uh, factory inspector, hota hai, labor inspector, hota hai, boiler inspector, hota hai, electrical inspector, hota hai, uh, Mathadi Kamgar Yojana, alag hota hai, Maharashtra Labor Welfare Fund, alag hota hai, Maharashtra Pollution Control Board alag hota hai, Central Pollution Control Board alag hota hai. Har admi ke rules alag hote hai. And as I was telling you guys offline, I genuinely faced this. I just got a book of the Labor Law and the Factory Act, Time Pass ke liye. 
literally for time pass i was like padh ke dekhu to sahi kya hota and when i was reading this gotham i came to realize that if i follow one in many cases i will break the other so tell me gotham as a <laughs> how am i supposed to run a business in this country yeah and uh, i don't know uh, this specific uh, thing that you mentioned i don't know but i wonder how do people put their money you know you bring you start a business for two or three reasons one is passion you want to change the country make goods cheaper offer a service to the nation make a product make money and so on these are routine things there are some businesses that you have to do which is forced entrepreneurship uh, particularly the smaller ones so they because they not everybody can get what is known as a job uh, they start doing a business self employment which grows and becomes a business now uh, why would anybody do i have been asking the same question but <laughs> let me turn it around let me turn this question around instead of asking why do people do business my new um, not new it's been there for some time and and this monograph has only consolidated my view on it is that i think one of the biggest contributors to india's growth poverty removal taxes is the businessman he does his job bravely day in and day out with consumed with a passion forced by circumstances managing this environment that you are talking about to create wealth to create jobs to pay taxes there is a dream that he follows which could be wealth or value there is this passion this is who he or she is to me i look at entrepreneurs as a factor of production not somebody who uses the factors of production because without the entrepreneur these factors of production are inert they mean nothing the point i want to take you to is the following today because of what you mentioned and if somebody were actually to read it although i, I doubt anybody reads these laws i think people just start doing business having said that today there are 63 enterprise 63 million enterprises in our country Do you know how many of them are formal in the formal sector? One million. One million. One million out of sixty-three million enterprises in our country are in the formal sector. Unbelievable. You know how many of them have a paid-up capital of ten crore or more? Can you no guess? Way. Can you guess? Uh, maybe a one lakh. Very close. Twenty-two thousand five hundred. Oh my God. That's only twenty-two thousand. That's, that's it. That's it. Now, when you take these statistics and marry them to what you were saying earlier, and see what what's happening, this is what's happening. People want to remain small. You said you had two factories. I wonder why you did them. And I'm sure had you done them, and I'm not talking about you in particular. It, it could be any entrepreneur. He would start a new company rather than expand an existing company. because that way he or she would remain under the regulatory radar this regulatory radar what we have called regulatory cholesterol a term that i first read uh, by manish sabharwal uh, but perhaps he also doesn't take ownership of this so i think it's just in the ecosystem we haven't coined this term by the way we have just refined it and defined it to some extent it's because of this regulatory cholesterol that small businesses choose to remain small they want to remain under the regulatory radar on the other hand this was okay as a 230 billion dollar economy in 
today we are almost a 3 trillion dollar economy we have to behave like that our entrepreneurs need to be given the freedom they have to be we are talking about scale last year we had 40 unicorns from india this year the ambition is 100 today so many of our companies are in the fortune 500 in 1991 they were a handful that scale has now come and now this regulatory cholesterol is beginning to pinch the small for a small entrepreneur this regulatory cholesterol, this mesh of laws, rules, regulation, compliances, filings is debilitating. His whole business will go towards fixing this. For a large corporation, they can hire an army of lawyers or advisors and consultants to help them through. So our report, while it talks about scale, while it talks about global, while it talks about large companies, corporations, it talks about FDI and restrictions before FDI and so on and so forth is actually a votary and a supporter of msmes we are we are we are we what what this report if some of the recommendations that we talk about in this report that is rationalizing these clauses are followed our msme sector will boom so you know on the msme sector rishi i have to come here to, uh, and I request you to explain this. In your report on page number 17, this is in the chapter regulatory cholesterol. There is this one line you guys have mentioned and you have referenced it also. A typical MSME with more than 150 employees faces 500 to 900 compliances that cost rupees 12 lakh to rupees 18 lakh per year. Can you, uh, can you expand on this a little bit, Rishi, please? Sure. <clears throat> Kushal, these compliances, as I was referring to earlier, falls into seven broad categories. Labor is the largest. Environment, health and safety being the other one. Finance and taxation is the third one. Commercial is the fourth. Secretarial is the fifth. Industry specific is the sixth. And the general is the seventh category. So these are the seven categories. When we talk about cost of compliance, Today, an entrepreneur, especially in the MSME sector, cannot even dream of managing their own compliances. They will go out of business because they will spend all their time managing compliances. So in the country, fortunately or unfortunately, there is a whole web or a layer of compliance intermediaries or service providers or consultants who deal with the complexity of compliance on behalf of the entrepreneur. So now let's go back to your question around where does this 12 to 18 lakh come from? So there are at least five consultants that an entrepreneur deals with. Labor law compliance is dealt with with a labor consultant. Tax is of two types, direct tax, indirect tax. Now, if you are in import-export, you deal with Customs Act also. So there are two or three consultants as the case might be. Then comes EHS. You deal with an environment, health and safety consultant. You already mentioned CPCBs and PCBs, which is Central Pollution Control and State Pollution Control Boards, and their corresponding consent to establish, operate various kinds of returns registers. Then there are various very specific <clears throat> consultants, boiler, industrial licensing, legal metrology, among others, depending on which sector are you in. Then you deal with practicing company secretary for all company law matters. So bottom line, I don't want to go into every one of them. But there are at least five different consultants that you deal with. These consultants cost you anywhere between 10, 15, 20,000 rupees a month. You add that all up. 
it will get to about a lakh rupees a month. And then you have internal resources, an accountant who's dealing, liaisoning with the external consultant, providing him the accounting data, uh, in, uh, a person who's managing payroll and providing all the payroll data to external consultant, somebody who's responsible for assisting in payments and stuff like that. When you do a basic conservative math of this data, the cost of compliance is around 12 to 18 lakhs a year, depending on where this company is located. If you're located in a metro town like a Mumbai or a Bangalore or Delhi or you know one of these towns, the cost can be even higher because the cost of hiring consultants is higher. None of this includes the additional money, the convenience fee or the corruption charge, which is often not discussed openly. None of this includes that. It does not include the entrepreneur's time or the opportunity cost because entrepreneurs spend 30 to 40% of their time on coordinating and managing this because an MSME entrepreneur, unfortunately, does not have an army of experienced senior people who can deal with this complexity. So we are not adding that cost, opportunity cost here. Just the basic numerical cost is amounting to between one to one and a half lakh rupees a month. Yeah, I can but so relate to this. Before you ask your next question, let me just ask you also, how much were you spending when you said you had two factories? Uh, how much, I mean, uh, can't you relate to these numbers in, in some manner? Yeah, I was actually just going to say as Rishi was speaking, I could remember how many hours in a day. So if I was working six to eight hours in my factory, effectively, my driving time ni gin raun, sirf kaam ka time gin raun. So I remember every time it would be agar abhi mpcb ka main just aapko breakdown ka analysis de raha hu sirf mpcb ka every 5 years depending if you are in the red zone like in our case we were in a red zone industry right we were polluting industry so you have to renew your license in every 5 years in that every year you have to fill inside the mpcb there is something called the water cess so whatever water you consume uske upar ek water cess hota hai wo aapko bharna hota hai uske baad um environmental audit so whatever chemicals and dyes and everything you use whatever input you use you have to mention it on a sheet you have to submit it over there that was the environmental audit then on top of that there was uh, what you have a solid waste disposal system so there was something called the trans thane creek waste management association so you have to collate all that data so you have to send that data of the ttc wma so inside the, you know, and, and or if everything is done, then there is an overall audit report that you have to get it made from your consultant, whom we also had a consultant. Abhi meri last financial year ki report abhi submit hui hai. So, you know, it is in, maine toh ek MPCB bol diya. Abhi MPCB ke andar kitni saari cheese hoti hai. Ye just mein for an example aapko bata raha hu. So when Rishi was saying this, I was like, hi, hi, ye toh mere saath hota tha. Matla mere din ka hai na, on an average, if I was calculating the amount of hours I would give, one to one and a half hours would go in, ye department ka kya hua, wo department ka kya hua, isko kya kiya, usko kya kiya. So, I think Rishi almost meri dukti rakh pe haath rakh diya ta Rishi ne. And Kushal, I must say that I'm impressed with the amount of ground knowledge, grassroots knowledge that you have. You know, in this context, I would like to mention that one of the pleasures that I have in my role is to meet a lot of executives, corporate head honchos, board members annually. And that number can be in a few hundreds. And one of my favorite questions to ask them 
is whether they are compliant. What is their feeling around their own compliance? And I never receive anyone saying I'm absolutely compliant. Everybody is a hesitating yes. They'll say, good question. <laughs> I think we are compliant. <laughs> right? And this is the CXO. In, in the majority of the cases, the managing director and the CEO who can technically go to jail in two out of five compliances in the country. Right? And my immediate follow-up questions, and I, I've become very good at it, is how many compliances do you think you have in the company? And this is a company, mind you, with four, five, six plants spread over four, five, six states, you know, a few thousand people, a few hundred crores in revenue. And I am asking this question to the CEO who thinks he is compliant. And the question is, how many compliances do you think you have in the company? And he would scratch his head here, there and come up with a number. And I have not heard a number more than 200 in my questionnaire over the last few years. And based on what I told you earlier, a small MSME, a very small MSME with single state, single entity, single business, single sector operation in a single city deals with at least 500 to 1000 compliances. So company in question that I just mentioned to you is actually dealing with anywhere between three, 4000 to six, 7000, depending on the sector, industry specific operations and so on. And the CXO seems to think they have 200 compliances. That's the fun. <laughs> so let, let, let me ask this question. Are you compliant? <laughs> Is this question to me? In your business, are, are you compliant? No, we try to be compliant. <laughs> you can't answer that question straight. We are a part of a listed company, so we we are compliant with the law of the land. Oh my God! And you know, let me let me back it up by a quote. You know, how do you be compliant? Abhi, again, I'm taking you to page 18 of your report, where you guys have written in the past 12 months, for instance, from 1st November 2020, when you wrote your report, to 31st October 2021, there have been 3,656 regulatory changes, the quarter 895 changes, and the month of October alone, 309 compliance changes. Gautam, I come to you. Which human being can keep track of this here? Nobody. That's why you need Rishi. But uh, jokes aside, uh, and may his business grow. Uh, but jokes aside, uh, the bigger question that bogs my mind is, we have India's top economic policy makers writing, rewriting, redrafting, creating new compliances. Is this what we want their energies to be spent on? How to tighten compliances, how to make life difficult, how to make life unpredictable. We keep talking about globally, oh, uh, uh, people like predictability. Don't. Uh, there is no problem. High taxes, no problem. This law, no problem. But we need predictability so that we can, we know what the, uh, uh, the laws of the land are, what the rules, regulation acts are, and we can function and uh, decide the market and then decide whether we want to go ahead or not on a certain premise. If this premise is going to change at the rate of uh, 3,500 a year, what is the message we are sending? And more, more important, like I asked, what are these guys up to? Are you so pathetic that you cannot design a compliance properly across 70 years? That you need to change them every, uh, every year at the rate of 3,000 a year? Or is the business environment changing so dynamic today that, it, it, that 
you you are unable to keep pace if you are unable to keep pace and for you it's just drafting some random clause here and there and moving on to the next posting what happens to the hundreds of entrepreneurs down the line who need to figure out read understand hire those people we were talking about pay 18 to 24 lakh per annum in order to figure out whether you are compliant or not he could be compliant based on last year's compliances how is he to know and one of the recommendations therefore that we have talked about is all these compliances should be searchable findable um, so that each entrepreneur can figure out if he has so many employees if he's located in such and such district if he's functioning in a such and such industry is having having a turnover of such and such rupees crore etc etc can know precisely what are the kinds of compliances that that are required they should reach him on a smartphone he shouldn't have to struggle at the end of the year after being what he thinks is compliance to be told no boss sorry uh, the compliance somebody has moved your cheese the compliance cheese has moved away you are behind and i i just feel that this affects in two ways so our top economic policy makers are doing this year after year this is what our taxes are going i mean you know i i think it needs a serious rethink rishi we have to talk so, about this uh, this data section yaar so please i have to talk about this so you have basically kudos to you guys so basically the report says you guys had like 50 lawyers together <laughs> working with you but rishi my uh, i have to request you so you have classified the data in your report into seven domains can you spend some time in talking about those now because that is the heart of the report if you ask me so sure. oh, you haven't come to the states yet uh, uh, the heart i mean you you will find your heart will start beating much faster the moment you come to the states <laughs> so before i get to those specific data points kushal let me uh, just add a little bit of tadka to what uh, gautam said about the compliance changes you know how many websites these compliance changes get published on 2233 websites in the country what right there is no searching no sortability there is no capability to subscribe you couldn't say that any time this website publishes a notification let me know nothing is there so technically the onus of compliance or finding the regulatory change falls on you expectation is your compliance officer goes and visits these websites every so often figures out if something has changed now the question is what can change changes to dates changes to duty structure rate structure changes one time extensions to specific compliances changes to forms and formats addition of a new compliance item modification to an existing compliance item all of these are changes now one of the questions that i do want to bring up just the sheer number of minimum wages in a small state today the permutations and combinations exceed 1000 and every now and then you will see some notification which modifies that minimum wage in the state you say you know good old days right to create employment you dig a hole and then you get some more people to fill the hole right first of all do we really need 1000 plus minimum wages permutations and combinations in a single state can we simplify it can we do we need to go down to three decimal places are there so many stark contradictions between two values 
that we need so many different permutations and combinations when the union government has standardized it in 56 permutations and combinations. So anyway, I just wanted to make sure that the audience understand where this complexity of 3,500 changes comes from. The funny thing is, there is no website in the country even today in 21st century when we are in the 22nd year, when we are doing a few billion digital payments a month, we don't have a single website that can tell you what changed in the country from a regulatory compliance space on a single website or an app where I can subscribe and say, listen, I only care about Maharashtra or Karnataka or Tamil Nadu. If something changes on labor laws, let me know. Why is it so difficult? Because everybody is operating in silos. And those silos are so siloed, they fail to see the pain of an entrepreneur. It's like operation is successful, but the patient is dead. Everybody thinks that they are doing a fantastic job. But when it comes to entrepreneur, they feel the pinch. Now, coming back to your question on seven categories. The biggest category is labor. 30% in terms of acts and rules. So 463 among the 1536 acts and rules come from labor. It's a concurrent subject. Both union and state governments make laws on labor. There are close to 32,000 compliances in labor. The largest chunk comes from the Factories Act of 1948. But for those of us who don't fully appreciate the complexity of labor laws, there are about 18 or 19 union acts. Some examples are Minimum Wages Act, Payment of Wages Act, Payment of Bonus Act, Equal Remuneration Act, Factories Act, Building and Other Construction Workers Act, Interstate Migrant Workmen Act. These are all examples of labor laws that are out there. Among them, between union, 28 states and nine union territories, you're typically dealing with about 32,000 compliances in this domain. Out of these, about 17,000 have clauses for imprisonment. So when we talk about 26,134 line items with clauses for imprisonment in our report, a whopping 68% out of them are coming from the labor acts. Gosh. Among these, funnily enough, 8,000 plus are only from the Factories Act of 1948 and the corresponding rules in various states. Now, you have read the Factories Act or attempted to read it. Kudos to you. But those of us who are not fully familiar, Factories Act and rules typically runs into 200 to 300 pages. Most states have between 220 to 250 pages. There are minutiae details which says this should be the uh, space between two machines. You should put spittoon. You should wash the spittoon. You should clean the upper surface of the spittoon. You should have the male and female uh, gender segregated toilet where the uh, nomenclature is there. You need to do lime wash once every four months and maintain a register in form 8 which you showed to our audience earlier. You need to whitewash the inner walls of the canteen where food is being made. You need to keep, um, you know, a health register of the cook and do a medical checkup once a year. Now, some of these compliances were critical in 1948 when some of these laws were drafted. The country was in a different state. We had just become independent. The private sector was nowhere in sight. Public sector was taking lion's share of the workload. But 75 years after independence, where private sector is actually leading the growth of the country, the entrepreneur is responsible for creating jobs and contributing to GDP, one asks this question, are these laws still relevant? So that's the first and the major one, Kushal, which is the labor laws. Lion's share of the problem resides there. Thankfully, under 
Vajpayee regime back in 2002, the second commission of labor was instituted to review codification process. Finally, 17 years later, we passed four codes in both houses of the parliament. Many states have already notified rules. They are awaiting final notification where we think a significant reduction in compliance burden is likely to happen. So much so that criminality can go down as high as 50-60%. Actual will be found out once all the state notify their rules. But that's a big problem. That's the elephant in the room. The others, finance and taxation, I think it's very clear. We don't make a case for letting people get off the hook who are evading taxes. Absolutely not. Our report nowhere talks about you know, uh, decriminalizing everything. We are talking about rationalizing criminalization. So finance and taxation is a large category. Direct tax, indirect tax, customs, FEMA, advanced tax, income tax, GST, customs. These are all examples of compliances and obligations under finance and tax. EHS is well understood. Consent to establish, consent to operate, solid waste management, e-waste management, hazardous waste management, disposal of biomedical waste, air, water, soil pollution norms. All of these are examples of compliances under EHS. Commercial deals with hoists, lifts, cranes, pressure vessels, boilers, tools, tackles, gas holders, legal metrology, fire extinguishers, electrical act. All of these are examples of items under commercial. And uh, Secretarial deals with NSE, BSE, um, Ministry of Company Affairs, Corporate Law, SEBI. Industry-specific deals with regulators. TRI for telecom, IRDAI for insurance, RBI for banking and shadow banking, FSSAI for food processing, among others. That's the large layout where corporate India complies with. Depending on who you are, what you do, where you are located, what uh, equipments do you use, what raw materials are utilized, what final product is made, where do you sell it, the specific compliance obligation changes. And that number ranges anywhere between 500 to 10,000, depending on how big you are. Long answer, but I hope it provides a little bit of color and flavor to the data. I just want to read this section. This is so depressing when I read it. Again, page 22. At an aggregate, there are 26,134 imprisonment clauses in India's 843 economic legislations, rules and regulations that oversee and influence doing business in India. Effectively, almost two out of every five, that is 37.7% clauses pertaining to doing business in India carry imprisonment as penalties. More than half the laws or 54.9% carry imprisonment clauses. Almost four out of every five, 79.9% compliances with imprisonment terms reside with state governments. The jail terms contained in these clauses change, range from less than three months to more than 10 years. Almost two out of every five clauses, 42.3%, have imprisonments of between one and three years. More than four out of every five clauses, 86.6%, carry imprisonments of less than three years. One-eighth of the clauses, 12.6%, have jail terms of between three years and 10 years. Uh, the number of clauses that carry imprisonment of more than 10 years is 207 or 0.8%. I want to make a comment here. I think, you know, uh, the data is very interesting and it has opened all these windows and, uh, you know, suddenly you are remembering God's 
uh, and that and that's a good sign maybe you know we have, we have instituted some form of religiosity through this uh, monograph but having said that i think uh, we need to just step back and wonder how, how did this happen you know why what is the political economy of india what are the thinking entrepreneurs are what are they criminals uh, why why this these laws rules regulations how come suddenly not suddenly gradually uh, although it began in 19 uh, at independence 1947 48 how come the, the criminal has become a bad guy how is it that we have a film like kala patthar a fascinating film all of us have seen it it talks it's it it, it says that uh, we, we need to nationalize coal mines how do we have this entire thing about money that money is made only by smugglers or by doing bad things or breaking some law where has this thought come from what is this ideology where is this thought what is the root these are the questions that the report hasn't mentioned very clearly articulated it but this is what i wonder how have how has our leadership leader after leader after leader after leader made more and more and more and more difficult to do business why are businesses the bad guys of india society i don't i just don't understand everybody wants to get rich at an individual level but if somebody gets rich they want to pull him down by saying he said to chori kariye ye to chor hai beta business mat karna naukri karna naukri kahan karoge business ke paas na so this government mein karega government mein ha this entire thing and then you you see the differences across states let me give you an example uh, there are five states that have more than 1000 imprisonment clauses in their uh, um, regulatory package gujarat punjab maharashtra karnataka and tamil nadu okay gujarat maharashtra karnataka and tamil nadu are 200 billion plus dollar plus economies what is punjab doing with as the second highest number of imprisonment clauses for doing business it's an agri- it's an agrarian economy they don't want to move away from that agrarian economy and they have the second highest number of imprisonment clauses what for who cares what are they benefiting in this now there's a new government under kejriwal we hope things will change but we are not very optimistic but just wonder punjab at one time was one of the highest uh, state gdp states today it's at number 16 and yet it has the second highest number of clauses i think 1400 or something I, i don't remember the exact number on the other hand uttar pradesh which is another 200 billion dollar economy doesn't figure in the top 5 it has fewer uh, imprisonment clauses now you put these two uh, outliers against one another each other punjab and uttar pradesh and see what's happening and i think there there i don't know is it a cultural is it a geographical is it climate is it weather garmi zyada garmi lagti hai to aap zyada loss banate ho i don't know but there is some strange logic here you also mentioned in the statistics that uh, 70% are between 1 and 3 years imprisonment do you know something having read those uh, laws uh, compliances they are just copy pasting one law to the next 
they are not applying their minds when you are enacting a new law or enacting a writing a new compliance or drafting a new uh, rule it is not thought afresh it is just copy pasted so if the punishment for x kind of crime is 3 1 to 3 years dalo 1 to 3 years is the default sochna hi nahi hai this is the way in our assessment there is no thought because you see if there was thought you would have had some with an equal on 2 years some with 24 months some with 6 months it would have been segregated across no rishi was talking about uh, the canteen committee reconstituting the canteen committee every 2 years do you know what is the punishment for that in, in case you don't do it no the same as sedition eh uh-huh. yes and the, if this is the manner this is the and this is my biggest grouse and that's why why do you think we are complaining today that those who have made their money are now building their businesses in singapore in uae and going abroad where will they go bhai how much how much pressure can entrepreneurs take and that's why these compliance reforms this this our report our monograph argues for compliance reforms and prime minister modi has given at least three speeches where he's talked about why compliances need to end and how they need why there are too many recently he gave a speech to the 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 civil servants young civil servant no no all civil servants and where he mentioned the same thing so i i think there is keenness at the top of the government level right from mr modi downwards to bring these changes he has mentioned this by the way the the uh, uh, line washing the in, inside walls of Uh, toilets and canteen. He mentioned this. Uh, I think it's one of the attractive things that that the report talks about, or maybe he's got got it himself. I don't know. He's been the chief minister, and he, he did remarkable reforms in the Boiler Act that you were talking about in Gujarat. But he has yeah. mentioned this, and I think we see Rishi and I. We see there is wholehearted commitment at the top. There is wholehearted demand at the bottom, which is the entrepreneurs. In between. the drafters the the bureaucracy the inspectors the the ecosystem that advises the 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 consultants i think that is the that is the hole which i which i hope and given the signals that we are seeing will get filled we are hopeful so i want to talk about obviously the suggestions that you make in the last session or section as to how we deal with it but rishi before that <laughs> ये ऐसा लग रहा था टेस्ट मैच क्रिकेट की बात हो रही थी रिपोर्ट में कि 100 प्लस क्लब 500 प्लस क्लब 500 टू 1000 प्लस क्लब जरा ऋषि बताएंगे ये क्या है सो बेसिकली द डेटा इज सो लार्ज कुशल दैट वी हैड टू फिगर आउट अ वे ऑफ मेकिंग इट कॉम्प्रिहेंसिबल फॉर समवन हु इज एन एंटरप्रेन्योर हु इज नॉट टेकन अ डीप डाइव इन दिस सी ऑफ डेटा वी नीडेड टू फिगर आउट representation so that certain data items stick when people read it and that's why we ended up creating various kinds of clubs broken them down by categories uh, divided them we even compared them to ipc so you'll see a whole section i think in 80s page number 80s where we have actually compared the imprisonment clauses for non compliances or contravention of these compliances to ipc that's what gotham was referring to with respect to sedition and you will see that the comparisons are extremely stark and sedition is just one example there are other examples of disrobing of women with the intention of raping her equivalent to 
you know, failing to reconstitute a canteen committee or failing to do this and that. All minutia, a lot of them, 30 to 40 percent of them are tactical and procedural lapses where there is no harm to environment. There is no harm to humans. You have not exploited anybody. You have not, uh, you know, impinged on fundamental rights of citizens. Uh, none of these things have happened. But you can go to jail. So I think this was just our way of representing information in various kinds of clubs. I know it sounds a little crickety in the IPL era, but uh, we thought that would at least stick. The data would stick. Otherwise, you'll get drowned in the sea of or ocean of information. Okay, before we get into the audience questions, Gautam, let's talk about uh, suggestions. So obviously, you guys have given 10 very specific uh, suggestions to the government in this monograph uh, or report, whatever we call it. But uh, obviously, we don't need to cover all of them. But Gautam, if you could maybe talk about those suggestions also before we move on to taking you know the viewers' questions. Yeah, so our report says that we need to rationalize imprisonment clauses. Rationalize doesn't mean end all imprisonment clauses. For instance, if there is a willful tax evasion, we, we believe there should be jail. When there is willful or even accidental, I would say, Rishi, uh, uh, harm to the environment or a labor uh, life and limp, risk to labor's life and limp, there should be imprisonment. But the routine, suppose you have not filled the right form, you have paid the money, but not filled the right form. Should you go to jail or is it corrective? So uh, that is the first part. Uh, so in our recommendation, we have said we need to rationalize by first saying in how many law, in how many uh, um, uh, compliances the imprisonment clause should go, in how many it should be reduced, which is rationalized, and in how many it should be retained. And if it is retained, it should be written, told why. Second thing is, we have talked about something called uh, um, uh, a clause where the, the clause, the, the imprisonment clause has a shelf life, say five years. And then you rework the entire thing again, depending on the changed circumstances, which in the 20th, 21st century are much faster than ever before. And rework those laws and decide, yes, we need to retain this and re-enact. Now, the Indian legal system does not allow this, but perhaps we can circumvent it in some other ways. Another um, recommendation that we have is all the low-lying, um, uh, for instance, the form part that I said, should be immediately decriminalized. We don't need it at all. We have also said that when you draft a, a policy, there, there should be a system of drafting a policy. There should be public engagement. You should call for comments. Uh, tomorrow we are going to get into big time robotics, AI. Are we going to work them on the 19th century uh, the laws? Uh, to give you an example, the Defense of India Act of 18, 1830 uh, 18, or 1930. Is that what we are going to use to work the, 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 the robotics industry or the artificial intelligence industry. No, we need new laws. We need to rethink policy. The world has changed in the last 10 years and definitely in the last 20. So we are just saying that perhaps we need to re rethink how we enact laws, how we write compliances and how we write those particular rules and regulations. So these are some of the uh, uh, 
recommendations. One of the important recommendations which both of us agree and ha having spoken to several government officials since then, uh, we are confirming is that uh, there should be one law, you know, make a list, bring change, but do it through one enactment. That way, all the uh, vested interests who will want to preserve their empires through this way or through that way in the name of labor, in the name of environment, in the name of, you know, whenever you talk about um, uh, national interest, I get suspicious. And so basically you should have one law. If there's any objection, you fight it once, you enact it once and end it. I think this will leapfrog India into the next century in with just one law. There's one last thing I want to talk about before we move to where you want, which is that out of the universe of 69,233 compliances in which 26,134 are carry imprisonment clauses, we have looked at it only in an absolute way. We don't know what are the equivalent numbers in Germany, in the US, in South Korea, in China, China, I mean, that's irrelevant, but any democracy, Canada, we don't know how many are there. And I, I believe that such an exercise would, it should, and I think it may uh, infuse such uh, um, reports in other countries. It, it will seed such reports. Once we have these reports, then we will be able to compare. Having said that, at an absolute and an isolated level, these numbers are frightening and we need to fix them. Vichy, do you have anything to add in the recommendations bit before we start the questions? I think Gautam has covered uh, most of them. Uh, my favorite there is uh, decriminalizing technical and procedural lapses. That's about 30 to 40 percent. Uh, they are trivial. Uh, sometimes we joke around about them, but they put tremendous power in the hands of inspectors. While we have not given this as a recommendation in the report because it does not directly link to criminalization, but one of the incumbent problems that we need to fix is create regulatory enforcement capacity. That's one of my biggest points, like what happened in RTOs, Kushal, where we created an infrastructure of micro entrepreneurs who could do PUC. You drive on a highway today and you will find a lot of small vans of people on the highway who can give you a PUC certificate. That similar capacity never got created for electrical inspectors, the lift inspectors, the DG set inspectors, and so on and so forth, legal metrology inspectors. So what ends up happening is whoever can take care of them or grease their palms gets the attention and rest of them, they keep waiting on the sidelines. So this gives tremendous amount of power, capability to seek rent, capability to do corruption because there is a demand supply mismatch. So while this is not directly related to imprisonment clauses, but until we create phenomenal amount of regulatory capacity in license granting, in inspections, in reporting, in fixing problems, we will continue to see Inspector Raj rule the country. Hmm. I want to come in here, Kushal, one last thing. I think we did not discuss. Sure. I thought uh, uh, I should bring it up. And this is from after the uh, monograph has been published and we've had several discussions with several ministries and many governments also. 
state governments. How many people have been jailed because of these clauses? They ask us, implying that our, that the report is is like you know what's the big deal? jail So our answer is the following, and I mean we knew this question would arise. If nobody has been jailed for all these ridiculous clauses in the last 70 years, then you, the state in general and the executive arm in particular, have failed to do your job. They should have been in jail. Why are they not in jail? Why have you not done your job, I ask. And the other reason is you haven't done your jobs because perhaps there is corruption happening. So this entire which comes back to the first point that I made, that the entire edifice has been that we what we informally call corruption, corruption, this, that, and the other. This is the root to that corruption, because if you don't bribe that inspector, he will come and he has the power to absolutely stop your business, put you in jail. So corruption has been institutionalized by these laws. And when they turn around and ask us who has been arrested and how many have been convicted and how many are in jail for the same ridiculous clauses that have been entered into these laws, rules and regulations, our answer is either you haven't done your job or you are corrupt. Decide. Exactly. So actually, the first question itself is very interesting. So Gautam, you can also answer it. Rishi, you can also add your bit. So the question the viewer is asking is India's ranking on the World Bank's ease of doing business index is now better than that of Vietnam, Indonesia, South Africa, the Philippines and Brazil. Then how are these countries doing better than India in economic development? One, do they have better compliance laws uh, in comparison to India? I don't know. Or is the World Bank data simply wrong or there is only weak correlation between GDP growth and compliance legislation? So doing business is now over because corruption happened there because China bribed the World Bank team and got its uh, rankings changed. So I don't think there is any credibility left in the World Bank rankings anymore. They are coming out with a new set of rankings which we are going to we are not going to be caring much about it. We don't care because they are sold out. Those executives are easy to buy and China has the money to buy them. I don't think this, this discussion needs to go any further. It's a ridiculous ranking. It has been proved. Having said that, Let's forget the label of doing business and focus on the ethos, on the action of doing business. I think India has made doing business easier. This compliance part has remained a hidden uh, burden on Indi India's businesses so far. It is hidden for two reasons, because the large co corporates can manage it. The small companies pay the bribes and move on. Now that this has come out in in public, the way through this report and now there are several other intersecting discussions that are also happening. And the fact that the government right from the top wants to fix this. I believe that doing had doing business rankings been the way they were, India would have jumped 10, 15 slots. But of course, let's forget those in India wants investment from abroad. India wants in invest in investments from within and India wants to retain its talent, talented entrepreneurs in India. I think these compliances will go a long way. I'll just add a couple of points to that, Kushal. First, the parameters on which, assuming that the rankings had sanity and stuff like that, the parameters on which it used to measure ease of doing business were 
a small subset of the larger parameters that affect entrepreneurs. There were about 10 parameters, registering property, enforcing contracts being a couple of them where we still didn't do very well. But there's hardly any mention of compliance burden. There's hardly any mention of how many times you have to renew licenses, how many filings do you need to make. So a lot of these parameters were missing. So I, I actually question whether that was a right representation of the actual ease of doing business for an entrepreneur in the country. Right. So I'm glad it's gone. Uh, we need to measure, uh, you know, our ranking, not with those 10 parameters, but from the eyes of an entrepreneur who sets up a business, it needs to become a few days, not a few weeks, not a few months, not a few years assignment. We've seen some re recent examples of companies trying to set up, uh, you know, fact uh, factories in certain states, in certain sectors which have actually pulled back because of Inspector Raj and presence of compliance burden and so on and so forth. I'm not saying that. It's out there in public domain. You can read it. So I think that's a key reason. We've jumped rankings. I agree. Even on those parameters that I don't fully agree with. But we were competing with the Tanzanias and the Ugandas of the world. When we last had the ranking, we were ranked at 63. We were still not in the top league of developed nations. We still had a long way to go. Every improvement in ranking would have taken much more work on the ground in order to move the needle than what went in from 144 to 63rd. Hmm. All right. So one person has asked three questions. There are comments and questions. It's a lot of pain. So let me start with the first one. Tell All us right. the comment have... first. Let's hear yeah. the comment first. So the comment is even Vedanta Sterlite got tortured here in Tamil Nadu, sir. Same with the, the, the reserves in Kaveri. How do we shift the psych from this communist indoctrination? Politicians and Babus seem to never change. <laughs> I'll pass. <laughs> Same here. Outside yeah. the scope. Yes. Okay. Now, now this is because you guys also mention it in a passing way in terms, this is about the judiciary. Why, what, how much of a, I'll represent it because I think the English is not perfect also in the question. How much of a role, Gautam and Rishi, both of you, has the judiciary played in creating this unhealthy business environment also? By, you know, making weird kinds of judgments also at times. So judiciary is, uh, uh, makes its judgments based on the law. So the, if the laws are enacted by parliament, the blame falls to parliament and the state legislatures. You cannot blame the judiciary here. You can blame the judiciary for delays. You can blame the judiciary for virtue signaling. You can blame the judiciary for ideology. But you cannot blame the judiciary for giving a judgment which they are, they are forced to do because of the way the law has been written. Having said that, there are many laws that the judiciary considers unconstitutional and uh, sends back and they are not enacted, they are uh, un undone. If, if they apply the same metrics, uh, metric to these 840, 854 laws uh, which govern doing business, I'm sure Rishi, say 30% of the laws will be unconstitutional. Yeah, At least 30% will be uh, unconstitutional. Of proportionality. So I, I think that is the other part. Judiciary perhaps needs to take a more... Uh, um, uh, a, a more refined look at these laws, but somebody has to present it to them. Entrepreneurs have been at the at the have been the dregs of society, so they don't have a political voice. 
if they open their political uh, open their mouths to say that this is bad or this is bad in law etc etc they will not be heard this report we hope uh, will, will give them a hearing we, the objective is it will impart dignity to the profession of entrepreneurship okay this is a very interesting question now you made a passing comment gautam about a movie too now let me expand on that because this question is about how movies and you know different regional language cinema also i clearly remember the 60s 70s 80s hindi cinema to was completely marxist communist i mean i don't know how else to say it mai to seedha bol raha hu and again these are my views not gautam and rishi's views but i am putting it out there and whether we like it or not pop culture has a huge role in influencing society and it and the virtue signaling of the politicians and the bureaucrats stems directly from there they, they what kind of representation like you cannot have a movie where the businessman is not shown in a evil way so my question and i'll take it from where the viewer has asked is gotham do you think cinema can now play a role in showing maybe businessmen in a positive light and create that reverse pressure on the babus and the politicians ki bhai dekho abhi picture bhi log pasand kar rahe hain jisme businessman acha hota hai yeah so but uh, you forgot to add one thing many of these uh, producers and directors and cinema uh, industry the, the movie industry were also propaganda tools for instance the movie i mentioned kala patthar it came in 1979 or 1980 i don't remember one of those years two years after nationalization of coal mines had already happened so they were trying to sell the idea that nationalization of coal mines is a good thing in fact at that time whatever problem any industry any entrepreneur anything happened you would nationalize it so you nationalized air india and you you nationalized actually seven airlines in 1956 you nationalized life insurance you nationalized non life insurance you would nationalize banks you nationalized cooking cooking coal mines you nationalized the other coal mines you nationalized maruti and all these uh, uh, i mean i don't want to get into the politics of it there are vested interests streams of vested interests out there uh, so that that is one aspect of it second i think dil chahta hai change the trend where money was taken i i i think there is something wrong with the way indians think about money and dil chahta hai sort of i think for the first time not for the first time but was a pop, popular movie that actually brought a change in the shift in the narrative there was also a movie by uh, in which amir khan was acting he was a textile entrepreneur i don't remember the name Uh, where he was doing an honest business uh, you know so uh, with without getting into corruption etc but basically business was becoming a more uh, a part of life today the aspiration uh, the, the new startup uh, aspirations that have come you 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 look at um, this uh, that series that that just came uh, yeah that, tvf follow ne jo banayi thi na ha so uh, all those i think cinema follows or influences both ways so that cinema is ideologically left uh, it, it, it does think that uh, the riches belong only to the few including themselves uh, but and it's easier to sell poverty and uh, a, a rapacious business community than a noble community you know uh, likewise for instance likewise for politicians 
it's easy to say the politicians are the bad guys but are they i don't think so they are the people who are facing the people every 5 years they are the people who are listening to your problems the judiciary doesn't care it only passes judgments the administration doesn't care it only follows rules who who is the who bears the brunt of public pressure the politician the politician has to be alert he has to be a sympathetic he has to be he has to have empathy and yet do the right thing for instance narsimha rao did in 1991 with economic reforms what narsimha rao did to the license raj we hope narendra modi can do to the inspector raj rishi no i think gautam beautifully summarized it uh, we really hope the compliance reforms can change the way india does business uh, i can just give you an analogy or a visual it's like uh, you know this uh, cinderella uh, girl uh, she is growing in size uh, becoming older but she still wears the shoe that she was wearing when she was 4 year old imagine what will happen to the foot right that's the situation that the country is in right now where the foot wants to grow expand our entrepreneurs need dignity they need respect they can create jobs they can transform the country but they are stuck in a shoe which is holding them tight in that spot we need to liberate that foot that's how i see uh, liberation for entrepreneurs so that they their entrepreneurial energy can be unleashed for changing this country for good we can get to 10 trillion dollars in this decade i'm confident but we need to make bold and structural changes bold and structural reforms and not be scared of a few in the administration and bureaucracy whose vested interests are served by these regulations so just one follow up maybe i'll come ek baat aur because the question was on films and mm-hmm. you know i i love films so diwar ka dialogue tha mere paas maa hai tere paas paisa hai mere paas maa hai दो साल पहले एक फिल्म आई थी अभी दैट रैपर ही वांटेड टू डू रैप म्यूजिक एनीबॉडी रिमेंबर्स द नेम दैट दैट मूवी अपना टाइम आएगा अपना टाइम आएगा वाली मूवी इन दैट ही नॉट ओनली है मेरे को पैसा भी चाहिए और मां भी मां तो मेरे पास है ही अब पैसा भी चाहिए सो आई थिंक दैट शिफ्ट इन नैरेटिव इज ऑलरेडी हैपनिंग मेरे तेरे पास पैसा है मेरे पास मां से लेके गली बॉय पिक्चर का नाम था गली बॉय दैट्स राइट गली बॉय पिक्चर मैं पैसा लेके आऊंगा yeah so, so I, i think the shift is happening yeah and i guess you know as like uh, at the end of the day you know every time i do a podcast like this which highlights things on the state of affairs of our society you know i'll get 10 to 20 emails post the podcast in a span of a week where they'll be like okay kushal bhai how can we contribute i mean iska kya answer de gautam because i know i'm going to get these emails how do we contribute to this thing beyond okay रिपोर्ट तो वो आपकी पढ़ेंगे बट देन वट डू दे डू नेक्स्ट एंड क्वेश्चन आपकी रिपोर्ट पढ़ेंगे हाउ केन दे कॉन्ट्रीब्यूट एंड मेक इट अ लार्जर मैसेज ऋषि यू स्टार्ट सो वेरी सिंपल राइट ऑफन टाइम्स small and medium entrepreneur does not want to deal with this complexity they just outsource it to a vendor partner because they typically feel they don't have a voice they don't articulate it they don't want to confront it they don't want to deal with the problem they just want to avoid the problem one way a regular citizen a small scale medium scale entrepreneur can deal with this is not brush this under the carpet recognize the fact 
that they can become an agent of change and start doing their bit in amplifying this message. I don't think this change can happen with one or two people. We need allies. We need more shoulders who can carry this load. We need more people who amplify this message around the country. We need politicians and bureaucrats to hear them because this is being repeated so many times that they recognize that this is not an option. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So amplification, creating a surround sound is very important. And the common citizen, a micro, small, medium entrepreneur can create that. In my opinion, that's how they can contribute. Gautam. I'll, I'll just step back from the nitty gritty of this report into the bigger picture, which India, uh, bigger problems that Indians face, which is their discomfort with money. Beta, kya banega? Doctor, wah. Engineer, wah. AI, robotics banaunga, wah. Business karunga, yeh, kyun? Mujhe paisa kamana hai. Nahi beta, kuch achhi cheez kar. Paisa to koi bhi kam, paisa to haath ka mail hai. Achha kaam kar beta, army join kar, sarkar ban, sarkar join kar. Yeh kya matlab hua? Paisa banana koi aspiration hai? And we have lost our spiritual bearings, our relationship with money. Money is the sign of a universal force. It is not the money in your bank account. It is not the wealth you have in your cash. It is not even digital money, the bitcoins, nothing. It is a force. It flows like air. It flows like water. It flows through us. There is nothing right or wrong about money. It is a force. Us force ke upar ideology ki uh, tyranny of ideo ideology ki wajay se hum log uh, we are very uh, what is that you know uh, when you uh, we, are, we are complicated we want to be rich but we don't want to say that we want to be rich there is something uneasy about it so if those who want to contribute to this narrative, change your minds, change your hearts, get in touch with this force. Money is good. Poverty is bad. Being a $20,000 per capita economy is good. Being a $2,000 per capita economy today like we are is not good. It is nothing to be celebrated. And only entrepreneurs and enterprise can make you rich. And only entrepreneurs have that equation with money, the spiritual force. They are able to use it, utilize it, circulate it. They understand money. If you can't create money, join them. But stop condemning money. There is nothing noble about poverty. I, you may I, cry I, about inequality. We will deal with inequality at 20,000 per capita income. Bhai, abhi it's the time to get rich. Yes. Understand this force, work with it, feel it flowing in your arteries. It's all around us. Join this revolution that India is going through right now. The next 10 years belong to it. Jump into it. Take risks. Have a good relation, rich, deep relationship, a spiritual relationship with money. Don't let money control you. You control the money. The danger is, you know, you get money, the money starts controlling you. You get power, power starts controlling you. So you prevent that from happening, but don't stop aspiring for money. Money makes things happen. Money makes your nation strong. 
money makes the world go round don't condemn money this is ancient history we let's give it up of the 19th century 20th century we are in the 21st century we are going to be the world whether you like it or not we are going to be the world's third largest economy within this decade you want to be a part of it good you don't want to be a part of it get ready to be swept aside but in all cases start dealing with money start engaging with money understand that money is a force start aspiring for it it is good that's my message perfect perfect i i couldn't agree more with you you know i got reminded of a line in a song by silver chair in the in which the person writing the lyrics uh, he singer who wrote the song says you say money isn't everything but i'd like to see you live without it i it was such a simple and yet beautiful line uh, the singer uh, singer wrote i remember listening to it in my college time and 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 you know it is true and once again you know my closing remarks would be this I I I have experience of working in this country for 20 years as a proper factory owner you know who ran the factory and and it sucked the living daylights out of me I can tell you that my father has 40 years of that I I joined later so you know obviously I have less experience it's not fun I can tell you it's not fun you go and ask anybody who owns a factory they're doing it it's not that they're enjoying it so try and stop hating businessmen if they do something grossly wrong punish them nobody saying that they yeah but stop hating job creators like we do you know I, again these are not uh, gautam and rishi's words these are my words i hated when people abuse adani and ambani bas wo jobs generate kar rahe hain lakhon logon ke liye is desh mein agar unhone kuch galat kiya hai to dand do magar unse nafrat karna band karo वो लोग कितने लोगों का घर चला रहे हैं ये सोचो कभी गलती से शांति से बैठ के सो यू थिंक अबाउट इट वील रैप टू दिस डिस्कशन ओवर हियर वंस अगेन गौतम ऋषि थैंक्स अ लॉट फॉर कमिंग इट वाज एन एब्सोल्यूट प्लेजर टॉकिंग टू बोथ ऑफ यू एंड होपफुली वी एक्सपेक्ट मेनी मोर सच एनलाइटनिंग रिपोर्ट फ्रॉम यू इन द फ्यूचर थैंक यू थैंक यू प्लेजर टू बी हियर बहुत बहुत धन्यवाद All right, guys. We'll wrap today's discussion up. Now, I will insist each and every one of you, when you go and watch this video, either you're watching it on YouTube or listening to this on Spotify or iTunes or Google Podcasts, wherever, in the description of the podcast has we I have put in the link to the monograph. Download it. It's it's a hundred and nine page monograph. I insist each and every one of you to go and read it. Then, what you should do, you should read it. start writing small blogs out of it or make short videos out of it right and you give due references to the monograph that is how ideas percolate that's what you're supposed to do we'll end today's discussion over here once again please subscribe to the channel like the podcast support me on youtube or patreon or buy the merch or on uti upi i will see you guys next month now because abhi this was the last podcast of the month Until then namaste take care bye